All right. Well, as I said, we are beginning our last class today in church. Do I have to go? I always read that in a whiny kid's voice, like, church, do I have to go? Um, But um, we are on our final chapter, what is the mission of the church? And so I have a couple opening discussion questions here this, this evening, but our main idea is that Christians help each other follow Jesus. That's kind of the the nuts and bolts of this this lesson. We're going to look at what that means and how, um, and what the Bible has to say about that. It gives us some clear instructions what to do, what to be as a church. Um, but some opening opening discussion questions just kind of gauge the room here. Um, what is the mission of the church? To make disciples. To make disciples. Okay. I'm going to steal to know God and to make God known. All right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Okay. To know God and to make Him known. To make disciples. Anything else? Well, we just did uplift each other in prayer. Okay. Pray for one another. Yeah. Is there more than one mission of the church? Mm, this could be a trick question. <laughs> well, I guess you could say that there is. What, you've got your primary purpose, but there's many other things that come underneath. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you think the church carries out its mission? Discipleship, training. Okay, discipleship and training. Fellowship. Fellowship. By reaching up, reaching in, reaching out. Okay. Think outside of Nansman River for a moment. Ah. She's like, it's up on the wall. Corbin leaves, Corbin. Are you asking for a grade? How the church is no, I just, how, how does the church carry out its mission? Um, what do we do to carry out our mission? And you can think capital C church in this, this regard, though. Going out mm-hmm. and, and telling others about God and, and, and discipling within the church and, and what you said. And yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, the last trick question here. Um, oh, was that a trick question? No. Well, no. But this is. What um what gives us our mission? What where 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 in scripture do we get our mission? Are you talking about the Great Commission? There you go. Yes. Okay. Yep. So the Matthew Great Commission. That's right. You're looking at your notes. Oh, the next. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Using resources wisely. Stewarding your resources. That's right. So the Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through twenty. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a pretty direct and clear uh, mission statement, right? This is what I want you to do. Um, And the fact that it's coming straight from Jesus is, is even more, you know, um, direct in that, that regard. Like, this is God's word to his church. This is what I want you to do. Go do it. 
and I'll be with you when you do it. But go do it. Um, right. So we're going to break this down a little bit as we we move on tonight, um, and just kind of um, dig in a little bit to some of these parts that are in in here, and take a look at um, what it means for the church. So first thing, we have Jesus' authority, right? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. It's been given to me. So what do we know about Jesus? Well, John 1, 14, we know that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the Word of God, right? Jesus is the Word. Um, we also know that Jesus is judge, right? So Daniel 7, 9 through 14 As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued um, and came from out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. Excuse me. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So here we kind of see Jesus is given his authority. So John 1.14 is a fulfillment of that pro- promise, the fulfillment of that prophecy that Jesus became flesh. The, the, the word was given um, this authority. Jesus was given this authority, um, all authority, to establish a kingdom that would never be destroyed. So what does Jesus call the church to do? Well, Jesus said, go and make disciples, right? So Luke 9, 23 through 26, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So the early church church understood this command, um, and they understood it well, as we see in Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And again in 2 Timothy 2, 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So they understood that there was, there was this command to make disciples that make disciples, right? And so we see um, evidence of that happening um, in Acts and Second Timothy, we see that this is this is something that they took um, they took very seriously. And you you also see as we go along, um, you know, in, in some of these passages, you see that you know there's there's the the phrase um, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, so their efforts were were going out and they weren't returning void. They were going out and they were producing fruit. They were they were 
telling the gospel to, to people. They were proclaiming the good news. People were responding in faith, and they were growing in number, growing in discipleship, and growing um, in, their, in their reach. So um, what we know from this, then, is that the church is responsible to proclaim, to entrust, and pass on the gospel to others. So um, that means that um, basically the church will end up being disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That sound familiar? It kind of sounds like our, our, our thing. We are driven by our mission to make disciples that make disciples, right? So um, there's a, a strong um, thread that runs through this that we have to be constantly going after and making disciples of people. And that's not um, just going out and reaching the lost, right? Discipleship is, is, is that, but it's also helping one another to grow in our faith and to be encouraged and strengthened and, um, as, we, as we do church together and do life together. Um, in fact, the Great Commission, as it's applied, can be broken into two parts, evangelism and discipleship. So first, with evangelism, uh, the church evangelizes unbelievers by calling them to repent of their sins and believe in Jesus. And so that's, that's kind of the, the thrust of, of evangelism, right? That we have this message that goes out and we say, okay, you recognize that there's sin in the world. What do you do with that? Well, you repent of your sin and become a believer in Jesus, put your faith and trust in Jesus, and, and repent of your sin and be saved. So 1 Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we are called to share that message with the world. However that looks, whatever avenues, whatever ministries we're able to do that through, we're called to go out and to share the gospel to the world. <clears throat> the second part of the Great Commission, discipleship, and the church helps fellow believers faithfully follow Jesus. So we see examples of this. Romans eight twenty nine, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Ephesians 4.11-16, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wing of, uh, wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So as we're making disciples, as we're discipling one another, the body is growing, it's building itself up, and it becomes even more and more effective in carrying out the gospel, sharing the gospel, and helping to spread that throughout, um, throughout the kingdom. So um, we'll stop there. Any, any thoughts, anything on, um, any feedback on anything you read up to this point as far as um, the Great Commission being broken down into evangelism and discipleship? Any takeaways? It's fine if there's not. That's okay. Um, so we'll continue on. 
Um, so we keep in continuing to look at the church. When the church gathers, um, this, is, this is what happens. Um, so in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So again, what we do um, helps build us up. Ultimately, we're worshiping Jesus. We're putting our faith and trust in him. We're um, you know, praising and worshiping him. But as we do so, it helps build us up as well in the faith. It also sets an example and witnesses to other people who are in our midst that may not be believers. Um, it kind of helps people like Brian see what the church does. Um, everything should be centered on Scripture. So when we sing, we sing songs filled with scriptural truths that instruct our minds and warm our affections. This is how it should be. I'm just say that that way. Um, so when we, yeah, when we sing, we sing songs filled with scriptural truths that instruct our minds and warm our affections. Ephesians 5:19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Secondly, when we read portions of Scripture from both the Old and New Testaments, we feast upon His Word together. So as we're reading from Scripture together, we're, we're, um, we're feasting upon His Word together. 1 Timothy 4.13 Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Okay, so there's an important element there of um, reading Scripture together. Thirdly, when we pray, we pray individually and corporate prayers um, that are shaped by what God's word teaches us to value. So we see this in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 8. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing to the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. So prayer is a very integral part to what we do as the church, right? There's something very powerful about the church praying together, um, being united as we pray, but then also as we corporately, or as individually pray for one another as well. Um, there's, there's a lot to, um, to take in there. <clears throat> um, next, when we preach, we proclaim messages saturated with gospel truths that exalt Jesus. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So again, Scripture instructs us, it uh, teaches us, it um, exhorts us, um, and that's, that's what we are called to do. 
Next, when we celebrate baptism in the Lord's Supper, we see the word portrayed in these living illustrations. So those we've, we've talked about this, right, in the ordinances of the church. We've talked about baptism, what that represents. We've talked about the Lord's Supper, what that represents. Um, when we partake of it together, what that says um, and, and where that causes us to reflect. We see Romans 6, 3 through 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead uh, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And then um, we also have, sorry, we also have 1 Corinthians ten sixteen, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? So we are participating in these examples that were set out by Jesus for us to, us to follow um, when we practice the, the ordinances of the church. Lastly, when the church gathers, it's not always full of only believers. Therefore, the gospel must be clearly communicated and presented in every gathering. So what we do, what we say, what we sing, what we read, what we teach, um, how we celebrate the ordinances of the church, all of those things are done together. They encourage us as believers, as the church. Um, They are designed to help us um, grow together as one body. They're designed to help us um, grow together in our faith, to be strengthened in our faith, but they also serve as a teaching moment for those who are outside of the faith to understand what it is that we do. It's an opportunity for us to teach people why we do what we do, and um, then they are they kind of have this better understanding of what church is, why it's important that we gather with the church um, each week uh, to do these things. So any thoughts on the church gathering? I think it was pretty thorough in the, the elements that, that it, they brought up in that. Is this part of your readings? Because I've noticed in the sermons that some of these points that have always been done are now being explained why we're doing them. It's not, but it is something that we've tried to incorporate um, and more and more so in, you know, either the explanation for why we do something, um, maybe to help people that, again, are not, um, you know, familiar with the church or things like that. Like, why do we, why do we do those things? Um, You know, I think, um, you know, if, Lord's Supper, for example, you know, Pastor Ryan is very careful to explain who is who is allowed at the table um, and who is not and why, um, but also gives them instruction. Like, if you're not a, a saved, you know, believer in Jesus Christ, then observe and see what it is that the church does, what we're reflecting on, why we're reflecting on it, um, and let that be a kind of a lesson. Is using it as a teachable moment. Same thing with baptism. Let's use it as a teachable moment. Um, to to proclaim, you know, why we do it, and you know, um, but yeah, it's we do try and put those elements in with a um, you know strategically, you know, to to and, and to speak about them strategically so that um, people understand why we do them. Yeah. Any other thoughts or comments? Okay. Um, 
when the church scatters, when I read this, I was like, what does that mean, the scattered church? Like, you know, that, mm, that doesn't sound good. But then it was completely wrong about my initial interpretation or initial thoughts about the chapter. Second Corinthians 5.20, um, which basically says be reconciled, right? So therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's kind of our mission as individuals in a church. So the church's mission is to make disciples that make disciples. Ours is to be ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal um, that, that people would be reconciled to God. So we're, we're trying to present the good news to people so that people will recognize the sin in their life, repent from their sin, and turn to Jesus. So what does that look like? Well... When the church scatters, which means when the church departs on Sunday mornings or anytime we're gathered together and we go out into the, into the world, into our communities, into our jobs, into our homes, um, wherever we go, right, we are, we are scattered, right? We're the scattered body. We're still, we're still a body, but we're scattered. We've just kind of spread out. Um, and so evangelism doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings, right? It doesn't happen... Um, just when the church is gathered together, it happens throughout the week as we're scattered amongst unbelievers and sinners. We're all sinners, but we're scattered amongst unbelievers and non-repentant sinners. How about that? Um, and, you know, we're the salt, right? We're being sent out. <clears throat> so it doesn't just happen in the weekly gathering. It happens when the church scatters throughout the week in their everyday lives as they live life, as they serve, um, and as a gospel witness in the world. So we're called to be the salt and the light, right? God called the church, the early church to do both evangelism and missions. So they define missions as referring to the sending of Christians to plant churches in unreached areas or assist existing churches in those areas. So, for example, a perfect um, example of this is two of our Praise and Go partnerships, right? We have our, our Philly church plant. So we went and planted a church in an unreached area of West Philadelphia, right? It's, it's hard soil. They have to work really hard, but they're starting to see some fruit. Okay, so that's an unreached area. Um, and then in great joy that, you know, they were, they were doing work there and all of a sudden this church just, poof, just formed, right? And so now we're meeting that church where it's at and helping them, um, helping to equip them to do, to do ministry. Um, and so those are, those are two, two areas, I think, that define their, or fit in with their definition of missions. Um, so do missions just have to be overseas or not in our own country? No, right? We can do missions here. We can do missions in Philly or, or wherever. Um, doesn't mean we can't do it overseas, but um, it's just a, it's, you know, trying to spread the gospel and to develop places that will serve as kind of home bases to continue to spread the gospel and send others out in those areas. Um, Christian churches serving their communities, they labor for justice and putting the love of Christ on display in whatever arena God places them. So however that looks, it may be different for each church. You know, each gathered group of people, they live in communities with different needs, different um, different expectations, different things that are going on, different resources. So whatever arena God places that church, 
They're to labor for justice and putting the love of Christ on display. So we're to act as the church even when we're scattered, right? Um, and to show the light. Matthew 5.16 tells us this. Let your light shine. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we are to be salt and light. We are to let our light shine. And this goes for our home, our neighbors, work, and the needy that that are around us. Um, Finally, Jesus promises his presence. And I find this to be incredibly encouraging and incredibly comforting um, every time I'm reminded of this passage. Um, that Jesus, or reminded of the Great Commission, that Jesus promises that he will be with us even to the end of the age. So he will be with us from our first breath to our last, um, from the moment that we profess faith in him until the last breath that we take on this earth and we are glorified in our perfect presence before the Lord. Um, he promises that he will go with us. So Hebrews thirteen five through 6, keep your life free from the love of money, And be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So he will be with us until the end of the age. I don't know about you, but that is comforting. Um, And so that's, um, it's also encouraging to know that if we are out there, we're working rocky, hard soil, Seed, you know, we're trying to plant seeds. It's getting gobbled up by the by the birds, or it's, you know, quickly sprouting and then fading away. And we're not seeing much fruit develop. The Lord is with us in that, and He's just encouraging us to continue, just keep planting seeds, keep planting seeds. I will water. I will provide the increase, um, and I will send the laborers out to harvest um, the fruit that grows. And so, our job. As, as individuals, is to continue planting those seeds, to be the church out in the community, to continue to um, share the gospel. So it was kind of a shorter, shorter chapter this week, um, but it, I think it was a good way to cap it off. You know, we've learned what the church is. We've learned how to explain and how to argue um, from our point of view why we do the things that we do. Um, but I think it all boils down to the mission of the church. This is why we do what we do, because we are to make disciples that make disciples and to encourage others and to bring others into the fold. Um, So any questions, feedback, comments, snide remarks, sarcastic comments? I think the section that I just was kind of parking on for a little bit on page 148, um, the Christian churches may serve their community. Serve their communities by working for justice and helping the needs. that the local church is required to have staff budget lines and programs dedicated to influencing political policies, having a food pantry, and offering tutoring programs to underprivileged youth. Jesus doesn't require this of his church. But what it does mean is that members of local churches should be active in laboring for justice and putting the love of Christ on display in whatever arena God places them. We cannot ultimately transform the world, but we must distinctly put the light of God's truth and grace on display as we seek to make disciples among the nations. A mm-hmm. um, couple things that were running through my head. You know, one, social justice is just huge right now, and there's there are churches that, you know, they're like, forget about 
uh, let's go for the social justice, you know. So just thinking about that, but then also, I remember that God calls us to care for people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not the government's job to care for people and that we need to be doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the churches that should be helping those that are hungry and in need. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I stopped there for a little while, too, because I, yeah. I started thinking through that. I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, we're not supposed to be out there, you know, saying, you know, hey, support this political party, so this, yeah. this change can happen, you know. Um, but you let your faith drive your worldview. You know, let, let that shape how you view the world and how you view ways to influence and change the world. Um, now, as individuals, you know, we can, we can engage in some of that as individuals, but as the church, the church needs to be the church, right? Mm -hmm. And so we need to stay on mission um, and, and run everything through that filter that whatever we do in program or ministry or outreach or anything like that, it has to stay on mission with what we're doing, mm -hmm. um, which is why we have the reach up, reach in, reach out. Um, philosophy here because if it's not helping us reach out reach in or reach out in one way or another or multiple of those then we have to evaluate is it worth doing is it worth putting in and investing into is it going to keep us on mission or is it going to distract us from doing other things that keep us on mission and there are lots of great things out there that have great causes and great missions um, but if it doesn't help us make disciples that make disciples it doesn't help us accomplish our mission as a church, then is it something that we need to do? And those are questions we have to ask, you know, and they're hard questions sometimes because we may be fully bought into something and say, hey, this is great. But then, well, yeah, it is. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to do it as a church, um, you know. And, and so, you know, there are a lot of things like that um, that we just have to have hard conversations on sometimes. And and really kind of evaluate, you know, is this something we can, we can put resources to, or is this something that, you know, we need to, you know, back burner or table or something like that and for another day. Um, and I really appreciate the, the filtering of it because, you know, up through the, the region and everything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Rob's worked at a few different churches and then just moving around and stuff. A lot of churches are just program, program, program. Right. And the ones that are socially, politically active, how easy it is, is it for them to really get in front of a camera or have programs that are literally contrary mm -hmm. to God's word? Right. And they get up and say, we're from this church and we're doing this. And it's, and you look at it and you go, no, that's, that's against God's word. You've mixed up your purpose. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to create something that's not there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things like, you know, where you, you have to run it again through the filter of Scripture, right? Is this something that a church must do, as in Jesus told us to do it? Or is this something that we ought to do because, you know, our Christian principles, but is this something that we must do um, because uh, Scripture commands it? Um, 
I think that's, that's, a, that's a tough question sometimes. You have to wrestle through it. Um, and so, but we are, you know, we are still able to, to show compassion to the needy, to minister to the needy, to, needy, to provide for them, to, to help. Um, but that doesn't mean that that has to be our, our, our main goal, right? Um, if we're not leading others to Jesus, then are we really accomplishing our mission? If we're not making disciples that make disciples, are we accomplishing our mission? Um, so those are things you have to, we have to weigh. Um, sometimes we have to say no to the good mm-hmm. because God has better right. and best. Yes, yes. Um, and even if we have to say no to something, that doesn't mean we don't we don't support it, what you're doing. Yeah. Like we don't. It doesn't mean that we're against what you're doing. It just means that you know, it's kind of like the the apostles um, when the the conflict with the Hellenists arose, and they were like, "Hey, nobody's caring for our widows." And the apostles are like, "Okay, well, go select seven from among you, seven men from among you, and choose people to serve these ladies." We can't get involved in that. We have to be devoted to prayer and and the, and teaching and preaching of the word but you you guys select seven from among you and bring them back present them to us and we'll commission them to serve and you know that was your first example of of deacons um but you have you know that's that same philosophy right you know okay we're not saying that what you have you know the issue that you have or the the you know your proposal is is bad but it's not something that we can do so we're going to try and equip you to be able to do it, but we can't be the ones that do it, you know, if that makes sense. Um, that example sounded better in my head. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, but it is, it is important that we stay on mission um, and that we try and, you know, um, walk at, a, walk at a, a, a consistent pace, right? Um, we don't want to, go super fast and burn ourselves out and then everybody's too tired to do the work but we don't want to move so slow that nothing gets done either. It's a, a balance, right? We have to move where God is moving and oftentimes try and keep up with Him. Um, but He sets the pace ultimately. Um, so, Any other thoughts? All right. We'll take a break. Um, we'll meet back here in... About five minutes, go get some coffee, some water, a couple coffees, a couple waters, um, and we'll be back. And uh, yeah, y'all can, we'll, we'll have our discussions and y'all can float home. All right. <laughs>